supporters of the Trans Mountain Pipeline celebrating this week after the project scored a major legal victory. The Supreme Court of Canada this week dismissed an appeal from a group of B.C. First Nations opposed to the pipeline. Supporters of the project say that was the last legal challenge to the project. The project now is a clear path to get built and completed, but opponents of the pipeline say the fight is not over. All right, let's talk about this now. we got both sides of it for you. Adam Pankratz is on the line. He's a UBC business professor. He supports the project. Adam, welcome back to the show. Nice to be here, Mike. Thanks for doing this. Also on the line is Peter McCartney. Uh, Peter McCartney, he's a, a campaigner, climate change campaigner for the Wilderness Committee. He's opposed to the project. Hi, Peter. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, guys, for both of you. Peter, let me start with you first. This is obviously a, a setback for people opposed to the, the, the Trans Mountain Pipeline this week. What are your thoughts on it, and does this mean the fight is over now? You know, I mean, it's really disappointing. Um, it, we're definitely grateful to the First Nations who really took this legal challenge as far as they could. Uh, all the way to the Supreme Court, and, and yeah, it's it sucks to hear that the Supreme Court won't uh, won't hear their arguments. But you know, the fight is definitely not over. I think, um, you know, they basically have to build a, a project the size of a SkyTrain all the way from Edmonton to Burnaby, and we've seen already, you know, without major protests or anything getting in the way, uh, they're already months behind schedule in their deadlines. And you know, I think. We have the moral clarity on our side. It is so clearly wrong to build a polluting pipeline across unceded territory during a climate crisis. And we have the economic realities on our side. Um, you know, even Deloitte recently said that oil demand globally may have peaked already as early as 2019. And we, we may never see oil prices come back to the level that would support uh, more tar sands development. So those two things we have on our side, you know, the politics are the only thing keeping this thing going right now, and thankfully, politics, we can change. Okay, Adam Pankratz, what are your thoughts on it? Well, um, I would say, if you look at this just more broadly, um, before responding to Peter's thoughts directly, is that uh, this is clearly a good day for the Canadian economy, and obviously a good day for, for proponents of, of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. But I would um, I would say also that, if you look more holistically, that this project has been more about just getting the pipeline built and the process has been really important and i think the process has brought a lot of clarity and a lot of positive affirmation of things like first nations rights of things like the requirement to be environmentally responsible if we are going to put these uh, large infrastructure products uh, into production and i think that overall this has been a real victory for, for Canada, regardless of whether you are happy or not with the decision, the actual decision today, you should be happy with the fact that Canada, when it does choose to develop natural resources, does that in a responsible way that is unparalleled anywhere in the world. And that's something to be proud of, and that's something that we should be all be celebrating today. Okay, Peter McCartney, what do you think of that? Because we have seen the courts in our country take a very hard line when it comes to uh, First Nations uh, consultation and Indigenous rights in our country, and we've seen how this project has been ordered to go back to the drawing board in the past because they did not adequately consult First Nations on it. This time, though, you've got the highest court in the land uh, effectively giving uh, approval to the consultation and accommodations that have happened with First Nations. So is that a good thing? No, it's definitely not a good thing, because what the court did in their decision the other day is they accepted that Cabinet had 
uh, they accepted cabinet's word that the consultation they have done is adequate. And that, you know, that to me is really a miscarriage of justice. You can't ask uh, the people who are consulting whether or not they did the job. If you ask the people they were consulting, they're the ones that get to decide whether this has been effective. And really the bar in Canada has moved higher. Consultation and accommodation has existed in law for a long time. Um, but Indigenous rights are still sort of being worked out through the legal system. And we've signed on to the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Um, really the bar in Canada, what I think most people would accept, is that you need consent to be able to cross someone's territory. Well, okay, so um, Mike, yeah, yeah I, I would say to that that's a little bit disappointing to hear from Peter because really what Peter's saying there in some sense is that uh, because he doesn't agree with the decision, he essentially doesn't agree with the principle of the rule of law. And and it's not true to say that the, the courts are just taking the word of the federal government for what they did. Um, the courts were clear in 2018 that the federal government had not adequately consulted. They looked at what right. the federal government had done and said, no, that had been a one-way street. And that consultation was not just taking notes and then saying, oh, we consulted. It had to be a real and meaningful dialogue. And the courts were very clear on that. And that was the bar that the the uh, the pipeline had to had to pass in order to get the approval by the courts after that 2018 decision. So I think to say that this has been ignored uh, and that there there hasn't been adequate consultation is has clearly been disproven by the courts. And if we if we believe in the principle of the rule of law in this country and that then then we we see that there there has been consultation that the concerns have been listened to and the fact that there are still differing opinions on this is one thing but that does not mean that the project right. has trampled over other people's rights okay peter mccartney you know, it's interesting you say that the concerns have been listened to because that's exactly what the government did. And I, I, I admit, you know, they, they messed up the first time and they had to go back and do it again. Um, but they designed the consultation process. You know, they undertook it. They went and listened to these concerns, as you say. Um, but mostly what they did is, you know, create uh, monitoring committees. Uh, they really didn't have addressed the real issues that uh, specifically Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, and Coldwater have with this project crossing their territories. And so to me, you know, if you ask the First Nations, was this meaningful, and they say no, then that can't have been meaningful. Um, I'm, not, I'm obviously not a lawyer, but to me, I would hope that the rule of law in this country protects the rights of Indigenous peoples to take care of the territory that they have uh, stewarded for millennia. But, and when you ask about the rule of whose law, it's very clear under Squamish law, under Tsleil-Waututh law, um, that these projects are not able to move forward. And we need to accept that there are other governance systems that have existed um, for millennia before uh, our system has been implemented over the last Peter, 150 would, years. Peter, would you say, you, you said that the fight's, the fight's not over. Where does it go from here now? If, if all the legal options have been exhausted here now, what is next? I mean, civil disobedience, do people lie down and block bulldozers? Do you think that will happen? I do think it will happen. You know, I, uh, it's something we see on many of our campaigns and this one people have been pretty clear you know they're willing to to stand up to a project like this and you got to think a pipeline of this scale um you know it has it's almost like a set of dominoes 
they have to get 100% of the pipeline, 100% on time, and there's all sorts of things that have to fall into place um, in order to make that happen. Now, we're seeing, you know, their construction schedules that they put out just months ago are already delayed by months. Um, and that's, that's frankly just through sheer incompetence of the people in this organization uh, that have never built a pipeline before. Kinder Morgan only owned pipelines. And so, you know, when you add protesters who are willing to uh, risk potentially a month in prison to go and stand in front of, of construction, as I know there are many people out there willing to do, um, I don't see this thing getting finished. Adam Pankratz, what do you think? Will the project get completed now? I think that's pretty much beyond doubt at this point. I mean, can it be delayed by certain things? Sure. Um, I mean, it sounds like uh, Peter is uh, preparing to, to, to do things to that nature. Um, but they can do just that. They can delay it. And um, whatever Kinder Morgan may be, I think it's pretty unfair to characterize them as an incompetent organization. But the... the you know, this this is a project that has gone through the necessary approval, has a clear uh, finish line in sight, has the resources in place, um, is already under construction, and whether or not certain sections of it end up getting delayed for various reasons, um, the reality is the twinning of this is going to happen, and oil will flow okay. uh, sooner rather than later. Okay, I'll jump in there, guys. We'll take a quick break, come back, open the phone lines on this one. So phone me up with your thoughts on the Trans Mountain Pipeline, the supporters of the pipeline, very pleased this week with the decision of the Supreme Court of Canada. The opponents of the pipeline say it's a setback, but the fight against the project is not over. Where do you stand on the on the Trans Mountain Pipeline? Phone me right now. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604-280-9898, star 9898. Toll free on your cell. My, get, my guests are Adam Pankratz and Peter McCartney. This is Mike Smith. Back with your calls. It's what's happening right now. This is the Mike Smith Show. All right, welcome back as we continue talking about the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The project uh, ma- scores a major legal victory this week when the Supreme Court of Canada declined to hear an appeal against the project by a group of B.C. First Nations. Got both sides of it on our panel today. Adam Pankratz from UBC, he supports the project. Peter McCartney from the Wilderness Committee, he is opposed to the pipeline. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604-280-9898. Star 9898, toll free on your cell. Karen on the open line in Vancouver. Hi, Karen. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm a supporter of the pipeline, mainly because they, um, I'm glad to hear the consultation did take place and uh, that it is going to have minimal uh, environmental impact because it's a twinning of something that already exists. So they've already got the um, you know access through forest and mountain has already been done, so you're not, like, cutting a whole new um, uh, swath of uh, forest uh, to get this put through. So I'm a big supporter of it. I want it to get to open market rather than all our oil having to go to the U.S. at a discounted rate. Um, And uh, I I find that uh, consultation does not mean that you get your way. So just because you didn't get your way shouldn't mean that consultation didn't occur. So that's what it sounds like, uh, a bit of sour grapes happening. 
okay. from the part of um, these protesters that now want to get their way at all costs, even though they've had the consultation. Karen, so, thanks for calling in. Peter McCartney, what do you think of what she said? I think it's it's tough to characterize this as a twinning because what they're really doing is tripling the capacity. And so we saw, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was an oil spill. Um, there's been 86 oil spills along this pipeline in its lifetime. And what we're doing is putting three times the amount of oil through this corridor. So that's three times the chance um, and the certainty, really, that oil is going to spill from this pipeline over its lifetime. Um, Adam, those are the ecological impacts that we're concerned about. Yeah, Adam, what do you say to that? Well, I'd say that actually it is literally a twinning because it's going from one pipe to two. Um, your capacity is tripled, but that does not mean um, the chances of an oil spill go up three times. That's not just not how the probability works. But I think Karen brings up a lot of good points, and she's addressing the economics of this. What are we trying to do with the, with the crude oil that's in Alberta? Well, we want it as Canadians to get it to world markets where it can uh, achieve the highest possible market price. And we come back and receive that uh, to pay for things that we want, like health care and social services. And, you know, the, um, the energy industry, the oil industry, contributes over $50 billion to the balance of payments of Canada to pay for those things and the things that we want. So I think Karen uh, brings up a lot of good points of uh, the market incentives that are here that this, this uh, twinning will, uh, will allow. Back to the phone lines. Dave on the open line in Burnaby. Hi, Dave. Hi there. Um, just phoning about uh, uh, the fact that Justin Trudeau stacked that Supreme Court. Uh, he appointed three judges. None of them are from, Brit- from uh, British Columbia. None of them are from uh, west of uh, Thunder Bay. And so what I would do is I would ask Corgan to use a notwithstanding clause, and then I would shred the Supreme Court. I'd get rid of it and, uh, and tell everybody across the nation that the Supreme Court has to be um, appointed through a panel, it has to be voted upon, and it can't be just appointed by Justin Trudeau, who has a, an interest in the in the pipeline, right? Because that's you stacked it. So as soon as I saw him do that, I thought, well, there's no chance in court for the First Nation here. He stacked okay. it. Okay, Peter Peter McCartney, what do you think of that? Um, you know, I I really am not sure of the specifics. I think. Um, in, in terms of how how these judges are appointed, I imagine it was uh, similar to other points. But we, you know, Dave brings up an interesting point, which is that this project is now being decided on, being regulated, being built by the government of Canada, um, and that creates all sorts of weird conflicts of interest. Um, in that, you know, they're the ones that get to uh, investigate the oil spill when they well, have they, every they, reason and they own the, to, they own the to pipeline. cover it up. They own, and the, they own the pipeline. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that now that we have uh, a federally owned crown corporation building this pipeline, we actually, we have less information, less transparency over... Um, over exactly what's going on okay. within the closed doors of Trent Mountain. Okay, we've only got a minute left. Adam, do you think that public ownership of the pipeline creates any kind of conflict of interest? Well, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think that Crown Corporation equals opaque trans, or opaque evilness. I, mean, I, just, I just don't think that. But to, to, to wrap up, if, if we've got a minute here, I would yeah. say the thing to remember about Trans Mountain and the process and the approval here is 
The process has affirmed the duty to meaningful consultate with First Nations. It has confirmed that Canada leads in environmental standards, and the approval of it is a sign to investors that Canada is a good place to do business. And this approval is good for the Canadian economy as we come out of COVID-19, and we desperately need good-paying jobs and to maximize okay. the resources that we have at our disposal. Okay, with 30 seconds, Peter, if you want to make a final comment. You know, I just think um, the the economics of this project are getting worse every day. Um, the you know the moral argument, the climate crisis, is getting worse every day, and uh, we you know we just can't afford this. And by the okay. time Canadians realize what it's going to cost, I think they'll be ready to give it up. Guys, thank you to both of you for a good conversation. I really appreciate it. Adam Pankratz, he's a UBC business professor. He supports the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Peter McCartney is a climate change campaigner with the Wilderness Committee. He's opposed to the project. We continue to follow that one closely for you. Let's take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Your news is coming up, and then we have lots more. Stick around.